Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's sing this together. And all God's people said today, amen. Amen. God bless you and thank you for being here. Let's bow our heads together for a word of prayer. Almighty God, we do celebrate. Lord, when we make this shift in the calendar, Lord, we love Thanksgiving. We love the chance to bow our heads before you and to offer, Lord, our our deep felt um, thanks for all that you've done for us in this past year. Lord, we love the spirit of gratitude that you call us to. But God, we also love the the transition that we immediately feel into this Advent season. 
Father, we love the decorations that appear around us. Lord, the joy that, that seems to enter into our society and our hearts. Lord, as we anticipate and we expect and long for, Lord, the coming of Christ at Christmas. Jesus, you are the long-expected Messiah. And I cannot even imagine the joy in people's hearts, Lord, when, when you appeared. And it, it became aware to the world that you were the anointed one of God. God, help us to feel that same excitement as, as we celebrate the birth of your son. God, you gave us the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And we will celebrate it again this year. Lord, we will rejoice that this is all about you. This is, this is your birth on planet earth. Lord, it's your arrival to take away the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for leaving the glories of heaven. Thank you for for accomplishing this task, for entering into a human body, Lord, as God the Son, and yet still God with us, Emmanuel. God, be with our church as we worship this season. Allow us to be pure in worship, to be centered and focused in worship. God, do that in us today, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. It is so good to see you today. I hope that you do feel a sense of excitement as you enter into the church today. We have many people to thank who have worked so, so hard. I know that there was a call for people to come and help decorate beginning last Sunday. And I understand that 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 response was not many. And so the people that were here, they did a lot. And I'm so thankful, especially for Becky Thurston. She guides that whole process. And so as you see her, amen. As you see her, be sure and express your thanks to her. Um, She's a great coordinator of all of these things. And um, if you were a part of that, thank you for helping. There are still trees to be decorated um, here, I'm sure, as well as at your house. But if you can come and help us this week, um, there are more things to do over in the FLC. Um, there are other things to do upstairs in the hallways. But we got the sanctuary, I think, completed. We got the um, Welcome Center done. We got a lot of those um, touches in place. And so I pray that you feel that excitement today. If you're our guest today, maybe you're here visiting at Thanksgiving, maybe a first-timer with us, we ask that you take that guest card in front of you in the pew pocket, fill that out, drop it in the giving receptacle out on the landing, and um, just enjoy your time with us. We want you to feel warmly welcomed. Uh, Today we do begin the Advent season, and that word Advent means coming, and so it's in the Advent season that we anticipate the Advent of Christ at Christmas, but we also anticipate that second Advent of Jesus um, and that promise that Jesus gave us that he will come again. So we want to fill both of those things in this season. Today our emphasis is on hope. No one is hopeless whose hope is in Jesus Christ. Let's watch this video together, preparing our hearts. And as the video plays, Chris and Courtney, if you'd take your place.
Our hope is centered on faith, but not just faith in anything, but faith in one person, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful to begin our Advent season today. We've got a very special couple to me standing here to launch this for us in their very first Christmas together as a married couple. Chris and Courtney, if you would light the hope candle for our church. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are our hope. And we know as we look into the world that that we really can't find hope anywhere else. We can attempt to place it in people. We can attempt to place it in things or situations. God, those people may fail us. Those situations may change. Those things may be taken away. But Lord Jesus, when you came, you came for all eternity. And we thank you today that our hope is in faith. Faith in you, Jesus. So as the video said, that may be all that we have, but Lord, we know that's enough. So fill our church with hope today. Ground us and found our feet in the hope of Jesus Christ. This is our prayer. In the powerful, steadfast, strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said again, Amen. Amen. Let's continue by singing that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
pray. Father, we thank you that in the midst of waves and wind and trials, Father, that our soul can be still because of the hope that we have to guide the future as you have the past, the hope, the confidence, let nothing shake us. Father, today as we worship you, Father, we pray that as you've looked down into this place today, that you've been pleased with our worship today. These songs of hope remind us, Father, that we are so blessed. Thank you for this past week, being able to reflect on the many blessings. Father, as we go into this Christmas season, Father, we pray that you would continue to walk with us and use us to spread your light in this world. Be with our pastor today. As he preaches your word, Father, give us ears to hear. And when we go out of this place, Father, may we be grateful and thankful to have been in your house today. We thank you and love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Be seated, church family. And once again, thank you for being here. I do pray that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I was telling my family, I don't remember many Thanksgivings, where we awoke to a thunderstorm, but I was praising God for that. And um, aren't you aren't you thankful for the rain? I don't know where it was in June and July, but it's here now, and praise God for that. To begin the message today, I want to connect you with a man named Paul Beloche. Uh, Paul Beloche is a Christian singer and songwriter. He lived for many years in Lindale, Texas. Um, he co-wrote and wrote over 120 worship songs. We know many of those, but many believe his most famous of all worship songs was the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Now, I'm going to borrow Paul Belosh's title for that worship song today for the message, and thus the sermon is titled, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, and we are going to continue today in our study of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, many have asked me, Pastor, are we going to have a Christian ser- Christmas sermon series? The answer is no, we are not. We're going to stay connected in Mark's Gospel. I feel like we have a great stride that we have caught in this study, and I do not want to lose that. And so today we're going to be pressing forward, arriving in Mark chapter 10, actually, at the very end of Mark chapter 10 today in this classic moment that Jesus heals a blind man. So take your Bibles today and go with me to Mark chapter 10 beginning in verse 46 and go ahead and stand with me as you turn there. We're going to honor the reading of God's word by standing to our feet. This classic moment that Jesus gives sight to blind Bartimaeus, Mark chapter 10 verse 46. Let's read it together. It says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, he shouted, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith 
has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. My prayer for us today, as you can already tell, is for us to stay centered on hope. And I think this story is perfectly aligned for our Advent season because our hope is found in no other place than in faith in Jesus Christ, just like Bartimaeus had. Let's be seated as we dive into this study. Church family, there are about 10 million legally blind people in the United States. Most of those who are visually impaired have correctable vision, but many of those live in total darkness. They've never seen a day in their life. Some of the most famous blind Americans include Helen Keller and Fanny Crosby, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder. But one of my favorite blind Americans was a man named Charlie Boswell. Uh, If you haven't heard the name, Boswell was someone who was blinded while fighting in World War II. He was trying to rescue a friend from a burning tank, and he had always been a great athlete. When he came home from the war being blind, he decided to take up golf. He became incredibly famous as a golfer. He won 16 national blind golfing championships, usually shooting a score in the low 80s. That makes me very envious of him, right? In 1958, though, Charlie came to Fort Worth, Texas to receive the coveted Ben Hogan Award, and Mr. Hogan agreed to play a round of golf with Charlie Boswell. Charlie said this to Hogan that day, would you like to play for money? And Hogan says, oh, no, sir, that wouldn't be fair. Come on, Mr. Hogan, he said. Are you afraid to play a blind golfer? Well, Hogan was super competitive, and so he gave into that really quick. Okay, I'll play for money, he said. How much? A thousand dollars a hole, Charlie said. Now that's a lot. How many strokes do you want me to give you? No strokes at all. I'll play you heads up, Boswell said. Charlie, I can't do that. What would the people think of me taking advantage of a blind man? And Boswell smiled and said, don't worry, Mr. Hogan. Our tea time is tonight at midnight. (laughs) That's a great story, isn't it? I love that story, but Jesus, let's get back into this story. Jesus never touched Bartimaeus. Jesus never touched the son of Timaeus. He just spoke the word and Bartimaeus believed him. He said in the story, your faith has healed you. Now, because of that today, I believe, as I said earlier, that this is a story that is centered on faith. It's an example for us how we can exercise our faith. And every single one of us who have stepped in this room today, we need to learn how to do that better and better and deeper and deeper in our lives. We are a people of faith. If you have come to believe in Jesus Christ, you only received him, how? By faith, not by sight. And so faith is a central tenet for the Christian person. It's a central tenet for the Christian church. You see, all of us have to have faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to even please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. So this morning, I want us to look into this story a story of a blind man, and I want us to see some specific things about faith. And after we look at those things, then I want us to learn a couple things about spiritual blindness. Let's start off by talking about these issues of faith. And here's the first thing I believe this story can teach us, that faith believes even when it cannot see. Faith believes even when you and I cannot see. 
Bartimaeus could not see Jesus. But we, we see in the story that he heard about Christ. The Bible says when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Folks, Bart was a beggar. That's what he is in this story. Every day, he sat beside the road, holding out his hand, and he was asking for people to give him money. But on this day described in the text, he could tell from the sounds of the crowd that something unusual was happening. So he turns, I suppose, and he asks somebody, hey, what's going on? And over the mumble of the mob, he heard this phrase, hey, Jesus of Nazareth, the one we've heard about, is passing by. Now, no doubt, Bart also had heard about Jesus. Perhaps he heard how Jesus healed people. I'm sure he recognized the truth that this was the one who was giving sight to the blind. And even though Bartimaeus couldn't see Jesus based on what he heard in this moment, he believed. He didn't just believe that Jesus was in his city, the city of Jericho. No, he believed that Jesus had the power to change his life. He believed before he saw any proof Bartimaeus had faith. Now, this is all very interesting, though, when you when you fast forward to today. Because there are people today who just want visual proof, right, that God exists. Well, I'm not going to believe in this one called God until he proves it to me. And so I just want you to imagine a story with me for a moment. What if God did that? What if God literally proved so that we could see it, that he actually existed? What if it happened something like this? What if I said a prayer right now from this pulpit saying, God, prove to us that you exist, and God lifted the top off of this sanctuary, he spun it around while we were watching three times, and then he set it back down as if it never even happened. I would imagine every skeptic who was driving by, every skeptic watching by television, it wouldn't matter where they were or who they were, I'll bet they would believe in God. I mean, we couldn't hold the crowd that would be gathered here next Sunday because of what God had done. Can you imagine the parking problems we would have with HEB at First Baptist Church, right? But you know what? If you believed because you saw that, it wouldn't be faith, would it? It would just be sight. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. And like Bartimaeus, we're just like him. None of us have ever seen Jesus with our physical eyes. But I want to tell you that we've heard about him. I heard about Jesus. I heard about Jesus when I was just a boy, and I began to believe in him. And I don't just believe in him. I don't just believe he was born in Bethlehem, I should say. I don't just believe that he died on the cross 33 years later. No, I believe Jesus is alive today, and he's living in my heart. I believe in Jesus, don't you? You see, the first thing in this story today is that faith believes even when it cannot see. It's all about faith. And hope comes through faith. Let's go to the second thing. Faith not only just believes when it cannot see, but faith also resists any and every barrier to Jesus Christ. I think this is the one of the most interesting things in this story. In verse 48, it says, Many rebuked Bartimaeus and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Right? We're going to come back and talk about that word shouted in a minute. But I think this is a sad verse in the text. 
It's ridiculous to me. Instead of helping this blind man, they rebuked him and they told him, pardon the terminology, to shut up. They told him to be quiet. I'm going to tell you something that we need to mark down for ourselves. Friend, when you're bold enough to cry out to Jesus, not everybody is going to be excited for you. In fact, there will be some people who will rebuke you, they'll discourage you, they'll even make fun of you. But here's what I want to say, resist those people. Don't give in to those people, don't give in to that culture, don't give in to that voice from society. Don't let anyone intimidate us as the followers of Jesus into silence. When they told blind Bart to be quiet, folks, he would not be silenced. Let's go to verse 48 into that word I talked about earlier. The word translated shouted all the more. You know what word that is in the Greek? I love this word as a matter of fact. It's the word crazen. And what's that sound like? Crazy. It's where we get our word crazy. Bartimaeus got crazy when they said to be quiet. He shouted all the more. Did you know in the 1800s, this is going to be a shock to us, in the 1800s, Baptists were often called the shouting Baptists. Do you want to know why? Because they got so excited in worship, they would actually say out loud, they would shout it at the top of their lungs, glory, hallelujah. They called them the shouting Baptists. I think part of the problem in church life, in Baptist life today, is that now we're too dignified to shout the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, these days, the only shouting Baptists I hardly ever hear about is those that get all worked up at the Little League parks, right? And that's ridiculous. Barnes didn't listen to the crowd. He just shouted to the Lord. What's, this, what's the psalmist tell us to do in Psalm 98.4? Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. And in Psalm 100, the same admonition, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. In fact, we're told to shout to the Lord no less than 20 times in the Bible. Is everybody awake enough to do this this morning? You want to shout a little bit in early church at First Baptist, right? Here we go. On the shout of three, we're going to shout, glory to God, hallelujah, right? Glory to God, hallelujah. One, two, three. pretty good. I'm proud of you. That's excellent. Don't ever let this society quieten or or silence the voice of God's church. Let's shout for joy to the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Faith believes even when our eyes can't see. Faith resists any barriers to Jesus Christ. What's the third thing that Bartimaeus teaches us? Faith admits a need to be changed. Now let's talk about Bart for a moment. Is it okay if I just call him Bart? Is that okay? Bart had a pretty simple life. He just sat beside the road. He had grown accustomed to just sitting beside the road, accepting handouts. In his day, it's really all he knew he could do. After all, some people like the attention they get from their suffering. And I've heard it said this, that beggars just can't be choosers. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus gave Bartimaeus a choice. And Jesus' question is a really interesting one to me. It seems fairly obvious, but here's what he asked him. Bartimaeus... What do you want me to do for you? Why did Jesus ask that? 
What was Jesus after? Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Here's my answer to that. I think he wanted Bart to admit his point of need. I think he wanted him to say out loud that he believed Jesus could change his life. And here's what Bartimaeus could have said. He could have said, hey, Jesus, can you give me the name of a good eye doctor? Right? He could have said that. If he really didn't believe in Jesus, right, he could have said something generic like, bless me, Lord, or bless me, Rabbi. But Bartimaeus comes back with this one-sentence answer. It's a one-sentence prayer is what it is. He prays to Jesus by saying, Lord, I want to see. You know, the best prayers are simple, aren't they? The best prayers are short. The best prayers are specific. Bart didn't rear back and offer one of those biggies that day. He didn't say, Lord, I come to thee this warm afternoon, humbly beseeching that thou, if thou wouldest, if thou couldst, help me with my little problem here. It's not a big problem, Lord. He he didn't go into all of that. He just said, Lord, I want to see. And I'm convinced that Jesus still asks this same question. That's why I think this simple story is so powerful. Jesus stands here today, and I think he says to me and to you, what do you want me to do for you? And since we know he's saying that, what's your prayer? Lord, I'm addicted to alcohol. I want to stay sober could be a simple prayer. Lord, I've got a pornography problem. I I just want to be pure. Lord, I've got a problem with anger and I just want to be changed. Lord, I've been a gossip and I, I want to be different. You see, it's just a prayer of faith, isn't it? Lord, I want to change. I'm admitting to you my need to change and I believe you're the one who can allow this to happen in me. You're the one who can give me the miracle that I've been seeking. So think about those things. Faith believes even when it cannot see. Faith resists any barriers to Jesus Christ. Faith admits a need to be changed. We need to have faith because hope is found in faith in Jesus Christ. And now let's let's change our subject matter as we kind of move towards the end. Rather than talk about physical blindness, now let's talk about spiritual blindness. And here's what I want to say about this, that spiritual blindness can be more damaging than physical blindness. Why do I say that? Because Jesus reserved some of his harshest words he ever spoke to those he deemed to be spiritually blind. And friend, you may have 20-20 vision today in real life, but you can still suffer from spiritual blindness. And I think this part of the message is where we have to set up and take notice because it just might be true that some of us in the room here today, we may be spiritually blind. Let me give you three ideas here about spiritual blindness. First, a person can be blind to the truth about Jesus. Have you ever talked to an unbeliever about Jesus? And going to church, they, they kind of couch it this way. I don't see why, what you Christians get out of going to church. They don't understand it. 
Well, it, it makes sense because the Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. Uh, you could even be listening to me now online, watching on your computer, and you don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. If you're here and you have those same questions or doubts in your mind, hear me today. Satan is actively trying to keep you in blindness. He doesn't want a single unbeliever to see the light of the glory of Jesus Christ. You see, he knows that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, and thus he has targeted every man, every woman, every boy, every girl around the world to prevent them from confessing their faith in Jesus before they die. And the sad thing is the person who is blind to the truth about Jesus, they don't even know they're blind. Friends, we have to work extra hard. We must work extra hard. We're commanded to work extra hard to lead people to see the truth about Jesus. There is a supernatural power at work to keep them blind. We must go in the power of Christ to take off the shackles so they can see what we have discovered. Somebody say amen. A person may be blind to the truth about Jesus. Let me give you a second blindness. You also may be blind to the God-given potential in other people. Let me get at it like this. Do you you know who Susan Boyle is? If if you don't know the name Susan Boyle, she was this slightly overweight, frumpy lady who sang on Britain's Got Talent. And if you ever want to see a powerful little YouTube video, look this one up. It'll it'll give you goosebumps. Because she, she walks out onto the stage that day. Britain's Got Talent, and the audience starts smirking at her appearance. I mean, they are almost snickering. This woman is going to sing. This is going to be hilarious, they thought, right? They rolled their their eyes at her. Simon Cowell, who we all know is that harsh judge um, on America's Got Talent, right? He patronizes her. What's your name, darling, he says in the video. Susan Boyle. He asks where she's from, and she stumbles, stumbles over her words in this thick Scottish accent. What are you going to sing, he asks. I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from Les Miserables. The video cuts to the judges. They all cut their eyes at each other. Are you serious? She's picked actually the most difficult song of all to sing. But she begins to sing, and this voice of an angel starts coming out of her now the video cuts to the audience. They're stunned. They didn't expect this at all. Sour Simon actually breaks into a smile on the stage. That's kind of when the earth tilts on its axis. By the end of the song, the audience is standing, giving her a round, a rousing standing ovation. Now, why do I tell you that? Because everybody was blind her talent. Look at the people around you right quick. Go ahead, glance at them. Do you know who you just looked at is a person that's gifted by God? Every single one of us in this room, gifted by God. 
But sometimes we miss the great potential and gifts in other people because we're just simply blind to it. We're closed to it. We read a book by its cover and we don't recognize the powerful giftings that God has placed inside an individual. Let me say this. Never underestimate that in every acorn there is an oak tree. You can be blind to the truth about Jesus. You can be blind to God's given potential in other people. Let me give you a third one today. And and mark this down for yourself. You may be blind to God's purpose for your life. From this point forward, you may be blind to what God still has for you to do. Uh, Let's phrase it like this. God has a blueprint for your life. I know we really don't use blueprints anymore. They're white prints now, right? Mostly digital. But God has a blueprint for you. What's that mean? It means God has a plan and a purpose for you. Here's my question. Have you discovered it? Do you know why God created you? And it wasn't so you could go to school and get a good job and make lots of money and then retire and and wait on death to come. That's not what God created you for. He created you to have a personal relationship with Him so you could enjoy Him forever. He's called you to a different kind of life. And He keeps on calling you to different values, to different priorities than this crazy world holds to. He keeps calling you back to the only thing that can give you hope, and that's knowing Him and living for Him. God's purpose for your life is to know Him and make Him known to others. There are blind people all around us that need to see Jesus Christ. Here's the question. Would you join me? Would we join together? Would we join with God to help them see the light? You know, there are people in this room right now that are colorblind. Several of you have told me that you were colorblind, and you may not even know exactly the color of of socks that you put on today or the color of your shirt, right? Colorblind people will tell me that, that they've never really seen a complete rainbow, and there's no treatment or cure for colorblindness. But what if a person invented a pair of glasses that allowed a colorblind person to go out and see an entire rainbow for the first time? That'd be a life changer, wouldn't it? Imagine this colorblind person got those glasses and boom, there was a full rainbow. They were seeing and witnessing it for the first time. And then imagine another colorblind person went walking by. And the cured colorblind person says, hey, I used to be colorblind, but now I have the cure. Try on these glasses. I think in some small way it compares to what God calls us to. Do you understand that? That's why we need to help people who are blind see the truth. They need someone to give them the lenses so that they might see Jesus and move them out of their spiritual blindness. God has a plan for your life. 
He has a plan from your life from this point forward. Never stop seeking what God is calling you to be and calling you to do. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with your family yet. Do not ever give in on that. God has a plan for you. Don't be blind to it. So that's what happened to Bartimaeus. That's what happens in the text that we just read today. Jesus gave Bartimaeus a new purpose for living. And when Jesus called him, we can't miss this. The Bible says he cast his cloak aside and he jumped to his feet. Now, before we close this message today, we have to hear this. And you have to understand this and know this. That cloak, because it's just it just flies by in the text. But that cloak that Bartimaeus cast aside, you know what it was? It wasn't some... Hotel house robe. It was a beggar's cloak. And a beggar's cloak often had pockets on the inside so the beggar could hide all the food and all the money that had been given to him so it still appeared like he had nothing. In other words, what was it? It was his security blanket. It was his identity. But that day Bartimaeus, he took it off and he cast it aside And he ran to Jesus Christ. You see, the only thing he brought to Jesus was his need. And there's a line in an old song that says, Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. I want to ask you today, what's your security blanket? Because we all have one. And are you ready for a new start? Are you ready to throw all that aside? Are you looking for hope. If you're looking for hope, do what Bartimaeus did. Admit your need, put your faith in Jesus, and be instantly healed. And pray to him, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Would you pray with me, please?